Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, uh, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with the Two Fall Stampede. This is Fabian Lucelle. I play for Luliov. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandhoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Luliov Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. The WHL trade deadline has come and gone. Has much changed in terms of the power structure across the league? We have a goalie goal in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. The USHL is getting frosty once again. And in college hockey, it's a big weekend for RIT and Union. And Union's head coach is in a little bit of trouble. This is the Pipeline Show, and my name is Guy Flaming. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into this week's episode. I appreciate each and every one of you who has uh, decided to download and give the show a listen, whether you're a newcomer to the program, a longtime listener, or somewhere in between. And a big shout-out to those of you who have signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash show, getting your early access and enjoying hearing a lot of the interviews, most of the interviews, if not all the interviews, well before the release of a full episode, I appreciate the ongoing support that uh, listeners like you have provided to the show. Let's get right into it. We're going to go through some uh, some quick news and notes before we tell you who's coming up on the program today. But a reminder that the Pipeline Show is brought to you by the one and only Wilhock Beef Jerky, W-I-L-H-A-U-K, WilhockBeefJerky.com, two locations in Alberta, one in Spruce Grove, which is about 15 minutes from where I'm sitting right now. The other is in Leduc, which is just on the south side of Edmonton, bedroom community just south of Edmonton. Very well known and highly regarded in the local area here. Uh, But if you're in Western Canada, well, the good news is you can get it shipped to you. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, contact Trent in Leduc, And they will get your order together and send to you vacuum sealed and fresh on delivery. And when you open the package, the aroma, the smells of the marinade and the spices, they're just going to hit your nose and your mouth is going to start watering. And then your taste buds, they're going to thank me for it. And uh, so are you. WilhockBeefJerky.com We'll start with the WHL and the trade deadline has now come and gone. This year it was pushed back to the 17th of uh, January. Usually it's uh, January 10th. There were nine deals on uh, deadline day itself on the 17th and really nothing uh, for the week leading up to it. The last trade was the Jackson Vandalist from Calgary to Red Deer trade. I would think it's fair to say that the big trade at the WHL's deadline was between the Oil Kings and the Giants. Vancouver deciding to unload Justin Sordiff. He goes to Alberta's capital 
for Jacob Boucher, 19-year-old, who uh, was a free agent invite to camp at the start of the season, and he was he was arguably Edmonton's best player during training camp, forced his way onto the roster, and uh, was a really fun player to watch this year. Going to miss not seeing him on the ice for the Oil Kings, I'll be honest. Uh, but uh, Boucher and a first in 2022 and a first-round pick in 2025. They go to Vancouver for Justin Sordiff, who is he's an impact player. Uh, no question about that. He's played one game with the Oil Kings so far. It was a home game, so I got to watch that one in person. And there's so much that he does on the ice. He's a very capable stick handler, really shifty with the puck. And a great backchecker as well. Gets involved at both ends of the ice. Had it picked up an assist, but had two or three scoring opportunities in the game. He's going to be an impact player for the Oil Kings. That's a big addition for a team. That gives them five members of Team Canada now from the World Junior Squad. We kind of joked about it during the broadcast. Andrew Peard and I, well, it was his joke that, uh, hey, you think the World Juniors were canceled? Well, uh, buy a ticket to watch the Oil Kings because you got a quarter of Team Canada's uh, roster on the ice wearing the uh, red, white, and blue of the Edmonton Oil Kings now. And then you throw in Jakob Demick and whoever is up the opposition that night. Lots of uh, world junior talent across the WHL. And um, now every night you're watching six players who are in the world junior if you're uh, watching the Edmonton Oil Kings. Other moves at the trade deadline in the WHL. The Winnipeg Ice picked up a Tanner Brown from the Vancouver Giants as well as Chase Wheatcroft from the Lethbridge Hurricanes. They gave up Braden Edwards and uh, three picks to get that done. Tom Cadu goes from Regina to Vancouver for a pick. Uh, Lethbridge and Medicine Hat uh, swapped overage players. Logan Barlogi for Carson Hopwell. Luke Toporowski goes from Spokane to Kamloops for Nick McCary in a second. The Saskatoon Blades uh, sent the Blazers two picks in order to get uh, Josh Piller. And the Blazers weren't done there. They traded uh, Ty Spencer to Regina for Drew Englott. And the only other deal was uh, the Spokane Chiefs sending Cordell Larson to Moose Jaw for Kate Hayes. And a third-round pick. So I think it's fair to say that the Vancouver-Edmonton trade was the most significant. You can tell me uh, what you thought of the WHL trade deadline activity. You can get me on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. The standings in the WHL's uh, Western Conference, the Everett Silvertips sitting alone at top uh, with 56 points. Then there's a gap down to Kamloops and Seattle. And uh, the Portland Winterhawks throw the Kelowna Rockets in the mix as well. Five points separating those four teams. All of them have games in hand, though, on Everett. So the uh, the Silver Tips right now with a, an 11-point lead, but uh, three, four games in hand uh, for the other teams. So some uh, catching up that they can do there. Kind of similar in the East as well. The Oil Kings have 57 points. They're one point back in the Winnipeg Ice, but they've played four more games than Winnipeg has and two more than Red Deer, who are in third spot with 49 points. Then you got a really good battle between uh, Moose Jaw, Brand, and Saskatoon, all tied with 40 points, looking for that final home ice advantage spot in, in, to finish fourth. The Calgary Hitmen are in seventh. And uh, then there's some teams who have been uh, struggling here as of late. Now, Prince Albert, Regina, Swift Current, and Lethbridge all still uh, separated just by one point. Four teams battling for that final playoff spot. And only really the Medicine Hat Tigers are out of it in the WHL. Even on the western side, Spokane is in dead last, but they're five points back of the final playoff spot there. So they are not out of the picture just yet. The OHL standings in the East Mississauga has a 10-point lead over everybody else in the Eastern Conference. 
We'll see what the trade deadline activity does for some teams like Hamilton. North Bay has been very good all season. That's probably your pecking order there, those three teams. But uh, everybody was expecting Kingston to be front runners this year. They are currently sitting, well, they're tied for fourth right now. But it's a three-way tie. Oshawa, Barry, and Kingston all knotted up. So very close in the middle of the pack of the Eastern Conference. In the West, the Sioux Greyhounds are the uh, top seed. The Windsor Spitfires are uh, slotted third because they're in the same division. But the Guelph Storm are actually second uh, in the conference with the London Knights right there as well. They're, in fact, they're tied with 39 points going into this weekend's action and the Flint Firebirds right there. So it's a very close race, actually. The top five teams in the Western Conference, not all that much separating them, at least right now on paper. Mentioned a goalie goal in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. That came off the stick of uh, netminder Tristan Martin of the Spruce Grove Saints. The Saints were up in Grand Prairie and uh, his goal near the end of that contest the first ever recorded in AJHL history. There's a funny tweet uh, from Joaquin Gage, former Edmonton Oiler who played in the BCHL. Uh, he had uh, commented as the Alberta Junior Hockey League was promoting that uh, that goal as the first ever. Well, uh, Gager tweeted out, you can hear Joaquin Gage uh, often on a TSN 1260 here in Edmonton. He tweeted out, I scored one, but it was in the BCHL and it was on myself. Great sense of humor there from former Edmonton Oiler Joaquin Gage. The USHL is headed back to Dallas for the 2022 Frosty Cup. Those games will be on uh, January 27th and January 28th. It's going to be a pair of games featuring the Tri-City Storm and the Lincoln Stars. It's uh, the third year in a row that the USHL has gone uh, south down into Texas to play some exhibition games, kind of spread the, spread the news of the USHL in that uh, neck of the woods. The North American Hockey League has a uh, pretty strong footprint in that state. Some key games in the uh, in the Null this weekend. Aberdeen is in Austin to play the Bruins. The New Jersey Titans are hosting the Northeast Generals. Jamestown welcomes Maryland. And uh, the Red Hot Lone Star Brahmas are taking on the Amarillo Wranglers. You can watch all those games on NHL TV. And lastly, when it comes to the news and notes, we'll head to college hockey. Actually, we haven't done a uh, top 20 in uh, college hockey. Let me pull that up uh, really quickly. The USCHO men's poll has Quinnipiac ranked number one. I believe that's the first time this year they've been that high. It's uh, far from unanimous, though. 30 votes for first place. Minnesota State gets 15 votes as the number one team, and Michigan actually got four votes. Even Denver, who actually comes in fifth, they got a single vote as well. So far from a consensus, but uh, Quinnipiac Ranked number one, they're followed by Minnesota State and Michigan. Western Michigan is fourth. Then you got Denver, St. Cloud, Minnesota Duluth, Cornell, North Dakota, UMass Lowell is uh, slotted in at number 10. The back half of the top 20 has the Minnesota Golden Gophers, followed by Northeastern, Notre Dame, Massachusetts, Ohio State, Omaha, Michigan Tech, Providence, Northern Michigan, and rounding it out at 20, is Harvard. Uh, not good news if you're a fan of the Dutchman. Uh, union head coach Rick Bennett has been placed on uh, paid administrative leave after the school said that it received an allegation on Wednesday evening involving Bennett. There's a quick uh, synopsis of the story at College Hockey News, but uh, obviously no details. Investigation underway. But assistant coach John Ronan will uh, run the team until 
the investigation is done. Also, Adam Odom from College Hockey News has a uh, pretty interesting uh, write-up on a big meeting that's happening at the NCAA convention this weekend that could really affect Union and RIT. Both of those programs, are, the, both of those schools are Division Three schools, but they play Division One hockey, and that involves scholarships. Well, I guess there's a, a meeting whether Division those Division Three schools will allow those two hockey programs to have uh, be able to put out scholarships. Obviously, without scholarships, that would really affect their ability to recruit. So uh, there's probably a lot that I'm missing in that story. I just saw the headline. It was just kind of glossing over it. So uh, go to collegehockeynews.com and you'll see it on the right-hand side. Adam Woden always with some in-depth reporting. All guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline based in Red Deer, Alberta. Troubled Monk producing some of the finest craft beverages you've ever had. They're definitely craft beverages worth sharing. You go to troubledmonk.com slash shop and you can see the entire... Uh, selection that you can choose from and if you happen to live between st albert and calgary you can get home delivery right to your door absolutely free when you order online at troubledmonk.com shop and you use promo code pipeline maybe you're getting some juicy gossip or the daycation lager or a taster pack that includes the bucktooth belgian white the pesky pig golden gates golden ale and the open road american brown ale or perhaps you're doing something else. You can get some soda. You can get Saskatoon Berry Soda or Ginger Ale. Their ginger ale is fantastic. They've also got spirits that you can order with that home delivery. The Adequate Vodka, the Epitaph, Blue Gin or Berry Blossom Gin. And plenty of seasonals to keep you busy and interested. And if you like trying something different every time, Troubled Monk is perfect for you. They've got the House Hippo Session IPA, the Buzzword IPA, the Oktoberfest Munich Hells. Made in the Shade, Mango Peppers, so many more uh, varieties to choose from. Give them a shot. Troubledmonk.com slash shop. Make sure you use promo code PIPELINE and you can get free delivery right to your door. This week's guest list, and this is the order that we're going to go. We're going to start with three 2022 Draft Spotlight segments. That's right, a trio of players that you need to know for the upcoming 2022 NHL Draft. And a lot of these guys... Well, they're having fantastic seasons. All three of them are having great seasons. We're going to begin in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League with Tristan Luneau. He plays for the Gatineau Olympique. Right now, the Olympique sitting around not doing a whole lot other than practicing as the league is shut down until February 1st. But uh, Luneau being touted as a potential first-round pick. He's a defenseman. You'll get to hear from him to lead off the show today. From there, we'll go to the OHL and the Kingston Frontenacs. Everybody expected Shane Wright to be their top scorer this year. He's not. He's actually not even in top 20 in the league. Lucas Edmonds, though, has been a top scorer in the OHL all season long. It's going to end up being one of the oldest, if not the oldest, drafted player ever in the NHL. Turns 21 less than a week from now, and Lucas Edmonds is on the program this week. From there, we go to the USHL. Adam Ingram, he's a Canadian from Manitoba, but he is lighting it up for the Youngstown Phantoms. Also getting buzz about uh, being a potential first-round pick this year. Leading his team by far in scoring. Quite a story that uh, Adam Ingram is writing for himself in the USHL this year. And he's a rookie. So you're going to get to know three really high-end uh, players for the NHL draft. And we will uh, close things out today. A conversation that uh, Adam Peard had with Dan O'Connor. They are the play-by-play -play voices of the Edmonton Oil Kings and the Vancouver Giants, respectively. Those two teams connecting with that big Justin Sordiff trade. 
we'll get reaction from uh, both sides of that deal to close things out today. So lots to get to. Let's kick it off with Tristan Luno of the Gatineau Olympique in the 2022 Draft Spotlight. He's up first. This is the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. away by Fitzpatrick and the end Woods to the front they score it's Ben Olivier Grew Benoit Olivier Grew gives the Moosets a 6-5 lead with four and a half gone here in the third period hi my name is Bo Grew from the Halifax Moosets and you're listening to Pipeline Show Troubled Monk Brew of the Week is the one that started it all. Tell us more about this classic, bud. Golden Gates Golden Ale. An easy-drinking golden ale that you can use as your gateway to craft beer. This beer highlights the best malt in the world, grown right here in our backyard. Player comparable, Nathan McKinnon. Underrated, yet awesome, every time out. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk craft beverages worth sharing you're listening to the pipeline show with gee flaming nobody makes me bleed my own blood nobody we're back on the pipeline show and we're going to begin this week's episode and for the next three uh segments of this show all 2022 draft spotlight segments will get to know players who are eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. And I think all three that I have lined up are really terrific guests having uh, fantastic years for their respective team. Uh, but first, the Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. My next guest can't get it because he's uh, too far out east. But anywhere in western Canada, any order, any size, they'll ship it to you. Just get in contact with Trent at the location in Leduc, Alberta, and they will take care of all of your beef jerky needs. But we go all the way to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League in uh, just outside our nation's capital in Gatineau, Quebec. And uh, Tristan Leneau is my guest. Uh, Tristan, welcome to the program. How are you? Great, thank you. Well, I appreciate you uh, making time. I guess right now you kind of have lots of time on your hands, don't you? You and everybody else in the queue hasn't played since before Christmas. Uh, you must be going a little crazy. Oh, for sure. Uh, thankfully, we have NHL games to watch, and, and uh, I get a little more school to do. Uh, so, uh, thankfully, I have a, a couple of things to do. But, yeah, we, we can't wait to, to play games again. This must be really difficult to have this long of a break. Everybody has the Christmas break, but then you get back and, and you start playing the second half of the season, basically. But to have, I mean, it's been almost a month now, and it will be until February before at least until February, before you get to start again. This must be really difficult just to stay physically in shape and, you know, your your timing when it comes to gameplay, all that stuff, but also mentally it must be difficult. No, for sure. Um, for the physical side, I think uh, we, we do a good job here in Gatineau to, to make sure we're we're sharp sharp on that. Uh, we, we train hard and we have access to the gym every day. So uh, I think guys have done a, a great job to just... Um, be be uh, be sharp on that. Be sharp on the the physical aspect. But uh, you're right. Uh, the timing and and the game feel is something that um, you can lose pretty quick. So uh, that that's why we we try to do scrimmage and and uh, trying to not lose that that part of the game. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's a long time. It definitely feels like we're at training camp right now and uh, we start a new season. 
So you get to practice. You you actually are on the ice as a team, getting to work out together that way. Yeah, we uh, okay. we can. Uh, we're all in Gatineau right now. We we practice. It's it's really like training camp. Uh, it, it feels that way, and it, that's the way we practice. We we it's been a while since we practiced as, as, as a team, so we go through the the whole system again, and uh, we make sure that on February first we'll, we'll be ready to. We'll be ready to go. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're able to practice. I wasn't I wasn't aware that you'd been able to do that. I thought everybody was just staying at home. Uh, but like you described, it is then a lot like training camp, with the one exception, no exhibition. Once February comes, you're back to it for real. Uh, and it might take a little while for some guys to get back up to speed. Oh, for sure. Uh, like I said, uh, the, the timing and the uh, game situation stuff is something that you, you lose pretty quick. But it's also something that you gain back pretty quick. So, um, no, we, we're just uh, making sure that we stay ready. And, and uh, right now is an opportunity to get an edge on on everyone else. Uh, you, you, we 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 trying to train hard and, and uh, be on top of our stuff. And, and yeah, we we trying to get prepared as much as possible for for fog drop. Well, hopefully on, on February first. Well, at the break, the uh, Olympic second place in the Western Conference in the queue. Uh, and having a pretty good season, 17 wins, seven losses, uh, three losses in overtime, and two in shootout. So, I mean, a 672 winning percentage this year, that's pretty good. Uh, you feeling good about the way the team was playing going into the break? Uh, yeah, we, we ended on a four-game winning streak, hmm. uh, which was great. Uh, I think we, we got a little momentum going. Uh, we, we we were on top of our stuff system-wise, and guys were work, working hard, and, and I think it was a well-deserved uh, break. Uh but like I said, we're we're all uh, we're all really excited to go back and and kind of uh, build on what we've done uh, in the first half and just uh, having fun in the second half and, and really making sure we're ready for playoffs. How about for you, just as uh, on your own, uh, Tristan? You have 15 points this year in 26 games. That's almost as much as you had uh, during the uh, shortened season last year, and when you had 31 games played and and 18 points. That year, I know last year was so difficult with all the stops and starts uh, with COVID, and I guess this year kind of continuing on the same way. But how do you feel about the way you've played just uh, yourself? Well, I'm happy with the way I played first half. Uh, definitely, I know I have a, an extra gear for sure to, that I can can reach on the second half. And, and uh, I've been training hard since the, the 27th. Uh, Miriam Gatineau to make sure that I'm on top of that and, and making sure I'm ready for a big second half is going to be it's going to be a huge second half not, not only for me but for the team so I, I made sure I was ready and, and uh, yeah I can't wait to to start again. Has your role changed this year? You're not a rookie anymore, so and you're a high first round pick, a first overall pick. We'll talk about that a little bit uh, later. But um, do you feel like you're you're being asked to do more things this year? Um, well. Yeah, my, my well, my role stayed probably the same, but uh, I I ask more of myself. If I can put it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, my role hasn't changed that much. Uh, I'm still still playing the similar minutes as last year. I was really fortunate last year that my coach uh, believed in me and, and played me a lot. Um, so uh, my role hasn't really changed, but I definitely ask more of myself, and I expect I expect uh, a lot more this year for sure. 
Tristan Leneau of the Gatineau Olympique is my guest here on the Pipeline Show. It's the 2022 Draft Spotlight. Uh, Tristan, what, what we like to do in this part of the show is let my audience get to know somebody that's draft eligible like you are. And there'll be a lot of just casual NHL fans who don't care about junior hockey at all. They might listen to an episode like this because you're a draft eligible player. So they want to get to know you uh, and might not know anything about you. So for those people, let's let's start at the beginning. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? I'm from a small town called Victoriaville. Um, there's actually a QMJHL team uh, from there, the Victoriaville Tigers. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm from. I then played in uh, 12 yard. Uh, which is uh, 45 minutes from there, and, and uh, just to to give like a reference, Gatineau, uh, Victo from from Gatineau is like four hour drive, okay. so it's, it's not that bad. All right. Yeah. Uh, who got you into hockey, and how old did you start playing? Well, my dad is a former hockey player. He played a bit of a, a bit of a junior, uh, and then my mom is a figure skating coach. So uh, I guess it was a perfect match to. Uh, to make a hockey player. Um, so uh, I have three older brothers. They all played. Uh, the two oldest didn't play hockey. Uh, they, they stopped pretty young, but uh, the, the, my brother closest to me played hockey till junior hockey. So uh, I guess that's kind of the the way I got into hockey. My dad was a hockey player. My mom figure skating coach. And uh, my older brother was a hockey player. So I, I wanted to be like him. I, I, I thought he had a lot of fun playing, and I wanted to, to have a lot of fun myself. So uh, that, that's pretty much how I got into hockey. Well, with a father, a, a hockey player, and your mother, a figure skater, uh, did you have an opportunity when you were really young? Like, did you start as a figure skater yourself? I know a lot of uh, hockey players who had that experience when they were young. Yeah, I was doing a, a couple. Um, they were like plays, um, figure, like when you're really young, you're yep. not doing like spins and stuff. So it was more like a uh, figure skating play right. on the ice. Yeah. Um, so I started uh, doing that and just playing outside with my brothers, older brothers and their friends uh, on the rink, uh, just around uh, our, our house in Victoriaville. Um, so that's, I got into figure skating a bit, but uh, nothing crazy. I, I can't do spins and, and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, it's too hard for me. But uh, no, I, I started with that. And then uh, she, she taught me a couple edges and, and uh, things like that she, she's good at teaching for sure in any way did it make you a better hockey player having a little bit of exposure to figure skating oh for sure uh, i think uh, my edges are, are one of my strengths and uh i definitely got that from her uh no she she we we, we would go on before school uh at that uh you know 5 30 in the morning uh uh-huh. doing doing edges and and uh, just getting a, a small practice uh before school so uh, great memories for sure. Five thirty in the morning, yeah, great for you. It's not so great for the parents sometimes, but uh, that's that's nice that they were able to do that with you. No, they they liked it. Uh, they really liked it when you talk about it. They yeah, they they almost have tears in their eyes. It, they were really good times. Oh well, that's fantastic that you're able to have that experience yeah. then uh, with your parents. Um, now I mentioned first overall pick in the uh, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League draft uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, there's a lot of pressure that comes with being the number one overall pick. I mean, the organization obviously thought very highly of you, and they're going to have big expectations using the first overall pick. The fans are going to expect you to be an impact player. Uh, but most guys that I've talked to who are chosen very high, maybe the most pressure that they feel is 
pressure from themselves. You know, you expect a lot from yourself too. Is that fair to say that and nobody expects more from you than maybe yourself? Oh, it's really fair to say. Um, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, getting drafted, I comes with the pressure, but I don't feel, I don't, um, like really take it like pressure. I, I use it as a motivation. And, mm. um, like you said, no, I think nobody expects more in, in me than, than just myself. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just a motivation and it's a privilege to have that, that kind of, uh, motivation pushing me, uh, to reach my goals. All right. Well, tell me about your first year uh, with uh, the Olympique, and, and we know how difficult the off-ice stuff was with COVID and things, but on the ice, did it take you long before you felt comfortable uh, playing at the major junior level? Well, I think the the veterans uh, last year made it really easy for me to, to just fit in and, and learn uh, how to play the game in the, the QMJHL. I started the year with a, a 20-year-old uh uh, defenseman uh, on my pairing mm-hmm. and then uh, he really did a great job to kind of show me the fundamentals and of uh, defending and uh, playing simple and, and uh, I always knew it was there if I I made a turnover and uh, so so it was great to, to start the season with him uh, so I, I would say the the transition between midget and, and junior went uh, really well because of that. Well, who is that player? It sounds like you, we should give him some uh, some credit, so I'll give him a shout-out. For sure, Cal Avlina is playing uh, uh, Canadian University right now, um, and, and I hope he's doing great. Um, yeah, no, he he, uh, he deserves a lot of credit, for sure. Terrific. Uh, Tristan, were you always been a defenseman, or at a younger level, uh, you know, maybe when you are 8 or 9, were you playing other positions? Uh, no, I never wanted to be uh, anything other than uh, a defenseman. Uh, hmm. Funny enough, uh, growing up, I was more on offense than than defending, but uh, I, I wanted to call myself a defenseman because I wanted to be like my idol, Drew Doughty. Um, so, yeah, I, I never wanted to be a, a defenseman, but uh, uh, most times than, than others, I was out there going offense and, and carrying the pockets. <laughs> but I, I never wanted to, to start a face-off on the offense. Okay. Well, you mentioned Drew Doughty, uh, and that's all a question I, I would have got to uh, near the end of our conversation. But since you went there now, why Drew Doughty? Why was he uh, the guy that you looked up to? Well, the while growing up, I was watching uh, hockey, and, and uh, in those years, uh, 2012 and 2014, they won the, the cup twice. Right. And uh, yeah, I just started following the DLA Kings more because they, they were good. And then I saw that really competitive player. Uh, you know, he, he, yeah, he probably has the, the, the highest compete I've seen so far. And talking a little bit more with my my agents and, and guys that know him, they they all they always tell me the same thing. He, he wants to win um, at any cost, and uh, that's that's why I I really follow them and and watched him a lot, and, and I've always wanted to be like him. Well, he's—I mean—he's got a great personality. He's a fun guy to to listen to in interviews, and uh, and that competitive uh, spirit of his for sure. Do you think you play a similar style? I mean, he's a very offensive and and uh, likes to play the body, and and that physical side to his game certainly stands out. Do you share some of those traits? Um, yeah, well, I would say the compete is uh, something I want to take from his game. Uh, we we are different in a lot of stuff, but uh, I think our compete is, is similar or will to uh to win and and to do everything right mm-hmm. 
Uh, so I, I would say we're different in a lot of stuff, but we we're alike in that. Uh, the sheet I'm looking at says six foot two and 174, 175 pounds. I don't know how up to date that is, though. Uh, what are you at right now? Uh, right now I'm at six foot two, 185. 185. So you've put on some weight. Now is that all over the last month here? Oh, with this time off, you've just been able to work out in the gym. Yeah. Well, we we had a lot of time out uh, off. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've been able to to gain the a couple pounds, not not too much. It's been pretty progressive. I okay. think I'm I'm growing and, and I'm, uh, you know the the beard uh, showing a little bit. Uh, so I guess that that's a good sign. Some some uh, some men weight uh, I've been putting in the last couple months. So uh, no, I feel great on the ice. Uh, I feel the 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 strongest I've ever been. Uh, probably the the fastest I've ever been. So uh, I, I know I gotta. A lot of improvement still, but uh, it, it's a great thing for sure. Tristan Leno of the Gatineau Olympique is my guest here on the uh, Pipeline Show. Uh, let's talk about the draft. And when I ask uh, players about the draft, a lot of them will say they try not to think about it because they don't want it to be a distraction. There are other players, though, who tell me they want to see where they're ranked and, and things like that, and I use that as motivation. Uh, what about for you, Tristan? Uh, more of someone that doesn't look at it and, and doesn't really give much thought to it. Uh, my thinking process is really uh, I have a great coach here in Gatineau, great coaching staff, uh, uh, great players and teammates too. So I, I want to focus on that and, and uh, making my, my stay in Gatineau uh, really enjoyable and, and uh, making sure I do everything right here. And, and uh, uh, you know, what what happens in the draft will, will happen. Uh, if I do the right things here, then good things will happen there. So. Uh, that's really my thought process right now. So when Central Scouting comes out this week and ranks you 10th in North America, that's not something that you care about right now? Uh, no, that's no. Uh, it's actually like I, I learned from it from from teammates, and uh, I'm not a really uh, busy uh, social media guy. Right. Uh, I'm not posting a lot. I'm not on social media at all. So I've learned it from friends and, and teammates. But you know, it's a it's a little. Uh, step in, in in the back uh it's a, it's a still uh, something that you can enjoy but i don't really give much thoughts to it well when you're taken first overall in the quebec major junior hockey league draft and you're having such a you know a, a good uh showing here with the um, uh, the olympic over last year and this year and you're um, getting talked about as a, a potential top 10 pick there's no pressure in regards to if you're going to get drafted but does it matter to you where in the draft you go? Like, at what, what, in what round? Does it matter if you're a first or a fourth round pick? Does it really matter to you? Does it change anything? Um, I don't. I don't think it changed a lot. Uh, obviously, yeah, well, I'm competitive, so I want to go as high as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, we've seen players go fifth round and and, and play long careers in the NHL, and, and ultimately, my goal is to play a long career and long and successful career. And I don't think that my draft rank will um, predict um, how su- successful my career would be and if I will be able to reach my goal. So, um, you know, the, the the long answer would be that it doesn't really matter, but it, it kind of matters in yeah. the, the sense that uh, I'm competitive and I want to go as high as possible. Oh. But in the end, I'll be happy with, with anything and just being drafted and just a team that shows interest in me. Yeah, nobody's going to blame you for or fault you for uh, wanting to be taken as high as possible. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, Tristan, uh, you mentioned Drew Doughty's your favorite player. Were the Kings your favorite team as well growing up, or were you cheering for somebody else? 
no, the Kings were were my team uh, for sure growing up. Uh, it, it changed in the well, the Kings and the Montreal Canadiens for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Montreal has always been the, uh, the 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 team that I was watching on on weekdays, and I got got to sleep a little later those nights because I I could watch a little more hockey, and, and I didn't want to go to bed. And then, so it's, a lot of great memories are attached to the Montreal Canadiens, but uh, like I said. The Kings, when I was growing up, were, were a really good team and they were winning a lot. So um, I was watching a lot of those two teams. Tristan, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this conversation. I, I wish you the best of luck. And hopefully, knock on wood, February 1st comes around and you and the Gatineau Olympique and the rest of the queue can get back to playing hockey. Thanks for doing this, man. Hey, thank you so much. There's Tristan Luneau from the Gatineau Olympique who's having a strong year as a defenseman for the Olympique the, uh, and that club. Yeah, they entered the break uh, riding a four-game heater, and then now they've been off for a month, and it'll be a month and a couple of weeks by the time the queue gets going again, which is, that's not the way you want to uh, end a hot streak, and hopefully they can pick up right where they left off. But, man, if you're that club, you don't want to break. You just want to keep going because it seemed like you were rolling. And with the standing so tight in the queue this year, that's going to be uh, a nice chase down into the playoffs, the race towards the playoffs. Every game's going to matter, and uh, when you're on a hot streak, you don't want to take a break. Well, and that player, I'm not sure if you uh, recognize the name, uh, but when he was talking with the player who helped him out a lot last year as a rookie, uh, that was his defensive partner, Kyle Havlena. He is playing at Concordia University this year, making use of his uh, scholarship package and playing some U-sports hockey. So shout out to Kyle for uh, the work and the assists that he gave to uh, Tristan, because he says it certainly helped him. All right, next up, we keep the draft spotlight turned on for this uh, coming segment, as well as the one after that. But uh, up next, we head to the Ontario Hockey League, another Canadian player, but in a different league, and a guy who actually went overseas for the last three or four, maybe even five seasons, Lucas Edmonds. He's a 20-year-old, turns 21 actually in a week, but he is still technically draft eligible. You can't just sign him as an overage player this year and he brings that up as well uh, but having a fantastic season for the Kingston Frontenacs one of the top scorers in the entire Ontario Hockey League and he joins me next here on the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky Hi this is Drew Doughty of the Guelph Storm Storm on the power play here teed up by Doughty scores Patrick goal for Drew Doughty 4-0 Guelph Storm You're listening to The Pipeline Show. Five-time Alberta Junior Hockey League champions, the Spruce Grove Saints, are back and welcoming fans to the Grant Fuhrer Arena for the 2021-22 season. A community-minded Junior A hockey organization offering affordable family entertainment. Tickets to big league hockey at affordable family rates range from $9 to $15 with free parking and some of the best food and drink specials in town. For more information on tickets and how you can become a partner, go to sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. We are back on The Pipeline Show, and we're going to continue rolling along with the 2022 Draft Spotlight segments. Uh, we just uh, had a conversation 
with uh, Tristan Luneau from the Gatineau Olympique. And uh, we're going to head a little bit further west to the Ontario Hockey League. But a reminder that the Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. The best beef jerky on the planet, as far as I'm concerned. You can get it anywhere in Western Canada, any order, any size. I just talked to Trent in Leduc, Alberta, and they will ship it to you. Vacuum sealed, fresh on delivery, and absolutely delicious. WilhawkBeefJerky.com. But we stop in uh, just across the border, I believe, uh, from the Quebec uh, and Ontario border would be uh, Kingston, not that far away, I think. Uh, you know what? I've never, Lucas, I've never been to the area, so I can, could be completely off track. But uh, Lucas Edmonds from the Kingston Frontenacs is my guest. How far away from the border are, is, uh, is Kingston? Oh, you're asking the, the wrong guy, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> geography definitely wasn't my strong suit in school, but I think it's fairly fairly close. <laughs> All right, we'll go with that. All right. Well, thanks for taking the time, man. I appreciate this. Uh, tell me about how the season is going for uh, for you and for the fronts. Yeah, well, yeah, first and foremost, thanks for having me and, uh, you know, appreciate it. But then, yeah, like, um, yeah, it's, it's the season's been going fairly well so far. Um, uh, overall, I think um, uh, we're, we have a pretty good team. Uh, you know, obviously, um, there's been some ups and downs uh, lately. Uh, things haven't been going necessarily as we may have liked, but um, uh, not too long ago we had a good eight-game winning streak there. So uh, now in these uh, next uh, couple of games, we're trying to kind of get back on the winning track and uh, you know get back back to business. Well, I see as you just pulled up the uh, the league standings. I see the four-game losing streak right now, but you still you know in your past ten, you're six and four. So as you mentioned, it's not that long ago you. You had the winning ways going. You just got to get back to that. What's the difference between the games you win and the games you lose? Is, is it a pretty fine line? Do you just you know fail to execute uh, uh, properly on a few shifts, or you know is it a big difference? Uh, yeah. Well, I think um, you know before Christmas when we were um, you know doing quite well, um, you know the guys were everything was kind of clicking for us, but then we kind of got hit with um, a little bit of covid outbreak so then we kind of got paused for quite a while and so um, lots of guys on our team you know they went uh, nearly over a month without having played a game and then we kind of got thrown right back into it so i think um you know these past couple of games at least the first couple of them uh we can kind of chalk it up to you know lots of guys being a little rusty and whatnot but um uh, then our most previous game you know uh, we we lost, but it was a much tighter game. So I think um, uh, going into this weekend now, uh, we kind of got our legs back and kind of you know kind of getting back into everything. So I think uh, we should you know have a good uh, outcome this weekend. Yeah, they missed a couple of guys that were at the World Junior, although it was a lot shorter time away at the World Junior than than normal after it was canceled preemptively, but. The, missing a couple players like Shane Wright and Martin Kromiak, and I'm not sure if there was anybody else from your club that was gone as well, but those are key guys too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, it's definitely uh, uh, important to have those guys back. Now, Lucas, uh, for you, this is, uh, I guess, kind of your rookie season. Well, not kind of. It is your rookie season in the Ontario <laughs> Hockey League, yet you're one of the older players in the league. How have you adapted to playing in, in the Ontario Hockey League this year after a number of years playing in Sweden? Yeah, uh, yeah, no, well, yeah, like you mentioned it, it's kind of, uh, kind of a running joke, uh, among the guys on the team that I'm a overage rookie. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's obviously not very, uh, common, um, that I know of for sure. So, 
yeah, it's definitely uh, an interesting case, but I think, um, uh, you know, obviously when I was younger, uh, my dad and I, we watched a lot of OHL hockey, um, and then, you know, we uh, had got the North Bay Battalion, and so I'm obviously from North Bay, so we were able to see quite a few of those games, and then I lived in uh, Toronto for quite some time, so mm-hmm. uh, my dad and I would go uh, to watch the Steelheads play, so um, I was obviously very familiar with the league uh, going up. Um, you know, seen lots of really good players uh, develop and go through the OHL. So uh, we we're both aware of how um, competitive and how good of a league it was. But um, you know, I got drafted by Kingston and uh, try to try to make the team. But you know, they said, um, sure, you know, you can come play, but we just can't promise too many minutes because. They had a real good team at the time, so um, it was a little disappointing. But, you know, I always kind of felt like and hoped that I would kind of end up uh, in the OHL at some point. And luckily enough, um, I was able to uh, get uh, get a chance to in my uh, final year of eligibility, so I'm glad. Well, just under the wire. Heck, you turned 21 in, what, about a week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, you mentioned that they they kind of joke about you being a rookie. Now, do you get the rookie treatment? Like, are you carrying sticks to the bus and picking up the pucks after practice and all the stuff that the well, at least they used to make the rookies do. The usually they're sixteen or seventeen year old rookies, but do you still get some of that? Yeah. Well, no. Fortunately, since um since I do have some you know pro games played and whatnot, <laughs> I kind of. Uh, nullifies my uh, rookie uh, status so fortunately I'm not you know stuck packing the bus and all that stuff so that's that's nice well 54 points this year in in just 29 games I think uh, last I looked you're fifth overall in league scoring and uh, a stone's throw away from uh, first place uh, and I think you've maybe uh, had the top spot at one point or another this year uh, I have to think you're pretty happy with the way things have gone for you yeah certainly um, you know there's obviously a lot of uh, expectations that I had uh, on myself and on the team coming into the season and uh, so far uh, looking at how things have progressed and whatnot I think uh, I can be you know happy with uh, how things are going and then you know my goal is to uh, continue to uh, do well and help the team you know win some games it's funny i wanted to ask you know if you're a statistic a guy who sets like statistical goals for yourself at the start of the year i don't how do you go into this season with you know uh sort of a barometer of how do i what do you consider to be a successful year for you it's your rookie season playing major junior hockey you're coming off a, a year in you know where everybody was dealing with covid and i don't know how much you actually mm-hmm. got to play in sweden or or not last year but how do you kind of set yourself up for how to determine if this year is a good year or not? Uh, well, I think um, obviously the biggest uh, measuring stick would definitely be um, measuring, you know, the team success. You know, obviously, at the end of the day, uh, everyone's main goal is to make sure that the team is winning games. And uh, I'm obviously going to do uh, whatever it takes to make sure that we, you know, get victories. But so I think so far that's been going pretty well. And, you know, obviously we want to be a top team. So, so far, I think we're doing a pretty good job of that. But then uh, personally, uh, I guess it's kind of tough for me uh, to judge per se, just because um, my junior years was spent almost, you know, all in Sweden. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of, um, different when you kind of look at the di- two different types of uh, playing styles, whereas in you know in Sweden it's a lot more 
uh, defensive and whatnot. But then, you know, we come over here to the OHL and then it's kind of more of a offensive oriented league. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's no, it's not really any, uh, number, uh, or anything that I've kind of put to measure, uh, my success is I, I guess, you know, kind of just want to maintain uh, somewhere at the top of the, uh, scoring charts and then just, uh, make sure the team is winning. Lucas Edmonds of the Kingston Frontenacs is my guest here on the Pipeline Show in our 2022 Draft Spotlight segment. Uh, Lucas, uh, at this point in the show, we like to let our audience get to know somebody draft eligible like you are. And uh, this segments like this, there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans. This is a junior and college hockey show, so my main audience mm. is uh, made up of people who do watch junior hockey. But there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who don't care about major junior hockey at all who will still want to listen to an interview like this because you're draft eligible. So. For the benefit of those people who don't know you at all, maybe let's start at the beginning. You, you mentioned you're from North Bay. Uh, how old were you when you first started playing? Um, well, I think I was around. Um, I think I was probably around three or four when I first started skating. But then uh, when I first started playing hockey, I think I was around six years old uh, playing uh, Timbits. And I remember uh, for my first year, um, I think I had one goal on an empty net so it was <laughs> a funny funny start to things and then, you know I tried out goalie a little bit too but you, did. you know definitely wasn't for me yeah um I think um uh, the one game that I was gonna try to be a goalie my my daddy obviously didn't didn't really want me to play <laughs> in that so yeah I think he threw the pads on me in the wrong way and whatnot so I had a <laughs> tough time getting back up after I dropped to the ice so after that experience then it was uh, you know kind of definitive that I wasn't going to be a goalie, which was uh, kind of a good thing, I would think. Your dad sabotaged your goalie career. Yeah, I think he knew how expensive it was, so <laughs> exactly. that's probably why. That's probably true. Uh, okay, so you've always, have you all, outside of that, have you always been a forward? Did you ever try the blue line? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I definitely tried uh, playing on defense uh, quite a bit when I was younger, um, and I think that in many ways kind of uh, benefited me uh, you know, further down, uh, down the line, as, you know, kind of how I'm playing right now too, because, uh, in Kingston, then when we're, when we, you know, have our power plays and I'm playing on the blue line. So I guess I have, it's good that, you know, I have a little bit of prior experience, uh, being up top and kind of being the last man home. So, you know, you gotta be, uh, you can't be too risky when you're up there. Right. Otherwise it's going to end up in a breakaway. So, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, definitely been, uh, a fun experience, but um, I remember uh, my dad, you know, he coached me, uh, having coached in professional in Sweden for many years. He uh, then transitioned to coaching minor hockey and coaching me, so um, he threw me back on the back end uh, whenever we were short on defense, so I did that for a while, but then uh, after a while, I kind of told him, um, you know, this isn't really that fun, like I want to play forward and, you know, score some goals and stuff, so then that's kind of how I made the decision to stay a forward. Well, you mentioned dad played and coached, uh, and he did both uh, over here and in Europe as well. So when it came time for for you and you ended up going overseas, was that part of it? Was there a connection there that there was opportunity that uh, you could exploit because of his connections? Yeah, 100%. Um, that's kind of um, where the whole idea stemmed from, you know, being that my dad was... Um, a uh, coach and a player in Sweden for so many years. Um, he obviously uh, knows lots of people and has lots of connections. And he was also aware of um, how 
good the development is there and um you know how uh, they kind of focus mainly on that and i felt um when i originally went to sweden that was kind of uh, the biggest thing that i wanted to focus on was just you know continue to develop my game continue to get stronger faster and all those um types of things so uh, that's definitely uh, one of the biggest reasons why I, you know, ended up uh, going over there to play. Just looking at your uh, your profile page on at Elite Prospects, it looks like you're bouncing around from, you know, one year in Pro London, then next year another team, the next year after that same team, but then two seasons uh, in a row where you're on different squads. So moving around a lot. Uh, yeah, like um, it's, you know, obviously uh, you'd like to kind of stay in the the same spot, but kind of what happened was. Um, after my first year, um, I tried to, um, uh, you know, play for um, Front, the Kings and Frontenac. So um, I kind of told the team in Sweden that, you know, I'd be trying out for them. And the one thing about um, the OHL compared to in Sweden is that the OHL, they kind of get started a lot later than in Sweden. So, yeah, yeah. you know, by the time that I had gone to the training camp and everything in Kingston. Then, um, you know, the team in Sweden, they kind of already had their team set. Right. So um, it was, you know, kind of a little bit of that. But then, um, yeah, then I played in Carl's Kuna for quite a few years. And kind of, you know, that was kind of a good spot for me. Uh, you know, really, uh, pers- like, really good organization, uh, good facilities, and, you know, really beautiful city. So uh, that was kind of my main spot when I was over there but then yeah I definitely um played on a, a few teams so I got to see uh quite a bit of Sweden which and you know it's a really beautiful country so I'm not complaining about that well you got into an SHL game as well according to elite prospects yeah yeah it's it a very uh very fun experience for sure and you would have been I guess what 18 then um yeah I think so yeah something like that 17 18 I think well was it that hard to be not overwhelmed like to, you're just uh, did you feel comfortable or did you feel like what am i doing here i don't belong here uh yeah well fortunate fortunately enough um the season prior to that i had actually um gone to play you know around i think it was 10 games with um uh, another pro team in college kuna actually and they played um <coughs> pardon me they played in the uh, uh second uh pro level in oh Sweden. the old so yeah, exactly. So in many ways, it's, you know, very comparable to the SHL. So it was nice that I kind of had a, at least a little bit of experience, you know, playing pro and playing in front of, you know, that many fans against uh, guys who are, you know, 30 years old. So um, in a way that definitely prepared me uh, to be able to play in that SHL game. So, um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't too overwhelming, but it's obviously a really fun experience and, you know, there's certainly uh, lots of nerves involved, but yeah. I think um, yeah. I was able to handle it fairly well. Well, you talked about how uh, defensive orientated the hockey was over there, but the one season you had with the Lakers, 51 points in 44 games, it was, uh, they call it the J20 Super Elite. Uh, how would you compare that to the OHL? Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously, like I was saying, um, in Sweden, all the, all the players, even the Fords, you know, they're taught to kind of, uh, have or like put a lot of focus on the defensive side of the game, so uh, it's obviously uh, tougher to score goals there. Uh, it may not be as physical, but I think um, uh, the way that teams play is kind of 
just to, you know, not really let up that many shots and, you know, be disciplined and not take too many penalties and stuff. So uh, in that sense, it definitely made it harder to score. But um, yeah, I think um, in that league, you know, that's a pretty good season to have. So uh, I was happy with that. Lucas Edmonds is my guest. He's a leading scorer for the Kingston Frontenacs as we speak right now. And uh, let's talk about the draft, Lucas. Uh, you, I mean, you're an older player, but if somebody wants you, they got to draft you before they can sign you as a free agent. So uh, a lot of people expect that you will get drafted this year. Is the draft something you spend much time thinking about? I know you've been eligible the last couple of years, but I mean, did, were you expecting to be drafted? Um, well, I mean, the season before, um, my first uh, draft year, I had a good season. So, um, you know, going into my draft year, I felt pretty good. But, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, um, you know, during my draft year, I uh, didn't really go the way that I had hoped. So, um, you know, kind of ended up uh, going through that. And then I guess, you know, the years after that um, just didn't uh, strike up enough interest, unfortunately. But um, now it's kind of, um, I think, you know, kind of a lot of that has had to do with just me personally being kind of late developed. Um, you know, I think I'm still, uh, there's still, um, lots of, uh, parts of my game that are continually, uh, improving now, which is, you know, nice to finally get some, um, you know, uh, see some progress. So, uh, you know, kind of getting stronger and, uh, those types of things. So I think, uh, um, you know, now coming into this year, uh, being obviously an overager and an older guy, um, I had originally no clue that I was going to be draft, you know, eligible. I thought I would just kind of be a free agent. Right. But then there's some kind of uh, technicality of uh, me coming from Europe to play in the OHL that uh, means that, you know, I got to, I guess I got to go through the draft again. So <laughs> I'm not really too certain uh how that works but um yeah i guess uh that's just how it ended up and you know obviously uh the draft is obviously a cool experience but at the end of the day it's you know not really uh something that i'm trying to put too much focus on my main focus is just kind of uh doing well now and uh winning games with the team so uh, if you know i'm am fortunate enough to get drafted that would be amazing but if not then you know, I'll just kind of continue to do what I'm doing and just improve each day. So uh, obviously that would be a, a goal of mine to get drafted and have that fun experience. But, you know, if not, then there's not much you can do. All right. So you're not a guy who's paying attention to rankings and things like that. I mean, Central Scouting comes out this week. You're on their radar for sure. And uh, other polls or other rankings have had you uh, fairly high in the draft uh, rankings. It's not something you concern yourself with too much? Well, I mean. It's certainly um, something that uh, you'll, you know, obviously you'll see all of that. And um, it's certainly uh, something, you know, cool to be a part of. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we've not even played uh, half the season yet. So uh, it's kind of tough to put too much uh, faith in those lists uh, currently. So I think um, the biggest thing that I, uh, would have to focus on is, you know, just kind of co- to continue to do well and continue to play my game and continue to help the team win. And then, uh, if, you know, if I do all those things, then hopefully um, 
one of the NHL teams would uh, put their faith in me and draft me. All right, so we mentioned 54 points in 29 games right now as we're speaking, and this this episode will come out on Friday. I'm not sure if you have a game uh, before then or not, so the, those stats could change slightly, but um, the stats might not tell the whole picture. So how do you describe yourself as a player? We can see you have the offensive side, but you know that experience in Sweden, does it make you more of a, a well-rounded player? How do, how do you describe yourself? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, going back to what I was saying about uh, you know, the style of play in Sweden being, you know, fairly defensive oriented, orient, yeah, orientated, pardon me. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of, uh, one of the biggest, uh, takeaways that I have from playing over there is I was, you know, kind of thrown into that style of hockey and then I was thrown into, um, you know, where coaches are, um, kind of, preaching you know the defensive side of things so uh, especially in my uh, most recent season when I was playing professional in the hockey offense gun over there um, you know one of the biggest kind of things that I had to go through and learn was you know just to be uh, very responsible in my own zone and you know make sure that you know you're not on the ice for a goal against or you know you make sure that you have a, a you know a good stick and you're very aware in your own zone and make sure that, you know, obviously uh, blocking shots and that kind of thing. So I think um, if there's, you know, one really uh, beneficial takeaway that I have from my time in Sweden, it's certainly uh, that side of thing because that's kind of really uh, helped me develop my game and become uh, more of an all-around player. You know, obviously I really enjoy playing in the offensive end and, you know, it's fun to score goals and that stuff. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, like they say, you know, defense wins championships. So I think um, that's, you know, probably the most crucial uh, um, skill set that I kind of gained from my time over overseas. The sheet I'm looking at says five foot eleven, one eighty five uh, pounds. Is that uh, still up to date? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, lastly, before I let you go, you know, I got to ask you about a couple of your teammates that are also draft eligible and and being highly touted this year. Uh, Paul Ludwinski mm-hmm. and some guy named uh, Shane Wright. Uh, what can you tell me about Who's uh, that? Yeah, Shane, yeah. Shane yeah. I don't think I've heard of him before. <laughs> can you give me a sense of what these two guys are like, and and maybe start with Shane? Obviously, he's got a lot of uh, eyes on him under the microscope all the time. But you get to practice with him and play with him all the time. So, uh, what kind of a player is he? First of all, um, you know, off the ice, he's a really great guy. Um, you know, really, uh, you know, even you know, he's still obviously. Uh, a, a younger guy in the league, but he's a very good leader. You know, obviously he's our captain, so uh, he leads. You know, uh, certainly leads by example. Um, very uh, hardworking. You know, determined and everything like that. So um, off the ice, he's just, you know a guy who just he likes to have fun and joke around. But you know, at the flip of a switch, he can kind of you know make sure that he's serious and kind of uh, make sure you know everyone else kind of follows that tone. So, but then obviously you know on the ice um uh, extraordinary player um you know lots of people you know kind of compare him to um patrice bergeron a uh, kind of an all-around guy he um obviously has a very uh, good set of skills um really good shot like um, you know nhl release already at this young age and um uh, just a kind of really smart player but i think um one of the most underrated uh, parts of his game is his defensive abilities and um, his response, uh, like responsibility that he takes on the ice. Um, 
you know, he's uh, certainly a guy who uh, makes sure that the play is finished in his own zone before he transitions to offense. You know, he's not, he's not going to, you know, cheat uh, to maybe get a breakaway or something like that. You know, he's very uh, responsible in that sense. So I think um, that's kind of the biggest uh, part of the game. And I think, you know, when you kind of look at how, um, you know, accountable he is, it's kind of uh, indicative to why, uh, he would be, you know, a first overall pick. And I think, um, you know, at this point next season, he'll probably be, you know, playing games in the NHL just mm-hmm. because he kind of has that all around game. And, you know, obviously um, that's kind of what you need if you want to play at such a high level. So, yeah, so I think um, he's definitely very worthy of uh, being ranked first overall. And then, uh, and then, yeah, and then you have uh, Ludwinski on the other hand and, you know, his, also a really, really good players, you know, super intense, um, very hardworking and very skilled and fast. And, you know, he's another guy, great guy off the ice. Um, he's, you know, also a younger guy. Um, but I think um, one of the biggest things that surprised me was his uh, capability to, you know, kind of be a leader and uh, push guys uh, like the other guys on the team on and, um, you know, challenge guys to be their best every day. And, you know, uh, show some emotion. So yeah, he's also another guy who, um, who deserves, you know, to go very high. So I think, um, both those guys are, they've been, you know, really good for us. Um, and yeah, I just can't wait to see kind of how their, uh, careers play out in the future. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate the, uh, the scouting report and, uh, Lucas, I kept yeah. you a long time, but this was uh, fantastic. I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I wish you the best of luck the rest of the way this year with the front knacks and, uh, Maybe we'll get a chance to chat again uh, after the draft or something. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I really uh, appreciate it. I had lots of fun. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get another chance to talk after I hopefully get drafted. All right. Best of luck, man. All right. Thank you. Take it easy. All right. I will take it easy. There is uh, Lucas Edmonds, the uh, leading scorer for the Kingston Frontenacs. And you go back to the start of the year, and I think everybody was predicting Shane Wright would be the top scorer, and maybe not just for the fronts, but in the entire Ontario Hockey League. It's an interesting comparison. He and Connor Bedard out west, you know, bo- neither guy are in the top 20 in league scoring, uh, but uh, both are still considered phenomenal prospects uh, moving forward. And uh, Lucas Edmonds is going to be one to watch as well. I'm curious to see where he goes in the draft because I don't think he gets goes again undrafted. Uh, certainly if there is, there's probably seven or eight or 10 or 32 teams lining up to offer him a, a free agent contract. But if you're one of those clubs, man, you, you got to draft him to make sure that you uh, you have his rights. So how early does Lucas Edmonds get uh, selected this year? That's uh, one of the things I'll be watching for when the NHL draft comes around. Another one of the things that I'll be watching for is when Adam Ingram gets selected. He's playing for the Youngstown Phantoms. The Manitoban is in the 2022 draft spotlight when we come back. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Got the puck now in the corner. He and Louis Rail do battle. A pair of number sixes toward the front now. A nice play. They score. What a pretty goal by Brendan Brisson. And it's 2-1 Michigan. Hi, this is Brendan Brisson from the Chicago Steel, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Development 
NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Johnny Gaudreau. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. Goal! And Shane Gossespierre were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hey, what happened? We're back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. The program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky available all throughout Western Canada. Uh, the, you just got to order it from Leduc and it arrives to you vacuum sealed and fresh on delivery. Absolutely delicious. WilhockBeefJerky.com. We continue with the 2022 Draft Spotlight segments in this week's episode. And uh, for this one, we're heading south. It's another Canadian but he's playing in the USHL and uh, pleased to be joined now by Adam Ingram from the Youngstown Phantoms. Uh, Adam, welcome to the program. How are things? They are good. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. Big week. Uh, Central Scouting comes out and you're ranked very high for uh, for them. You're on the draft radar, obviously, and have been all season long. But uh, that's got to be uh, flattering when you when you hear about that. What was your feeling when you first saw that? Yeah, actually, I got a text from one of my buddies and just said, go check out the Central Scouting, and I did. So uh, it's it's pretty exciting, obviously. Well, tell me about this season for you and uh, for the team. Uh, for you personally, 36 points in 27 games. That sounds fantastic. Uh, how are the Phantoms doing? Yeah, I mean, uh, we're on a three-game win streak right now, which is uh, better than they were last year. So I think we're above 500 now. I think we're 13, uh, 11 five and one possibly yeah uh and yeah i mean we struggled at the start of the year but um we had a good win streak i think we had points in uh six straight in november and then uh struggled a little bit in december um and i mean we came out flying at the start of january and uh i mean we're 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 pretty confident right now and uh we're hoping to continue that into this weekend and further on yeah, uh, sitting right now as we're speaking, it's uh, Wednesday in, in the Eastern Conference, fifth place, but uh, a stone's throw away from Madison uh, right above you in the standings. So uh, right in the thick of it, and you, you need to look up and down the standings in the USHL. It's a lot of parity. Like there's, you can't afford to have uh, too many off nights in the league because uh, you could move down two or three spots or move up two or three spots depending on a little bit of a win or a losing streak. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're hoping to do more of those winning things. So, uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully we can get four points this weekend. Well, uh, for yourself, uh, tell me about the year for you. you got 36 points, and you are by far your team's leading scorer. The next closest is Jaden Grant with 23. Uh, I don't know what your expectations were coming into the year. Uh, it's your rookie season in the league. Um, so what kind of expectations did you have? Do you, I mean, are you... Is this way better than you thought it would be going for yourself? Yeah, I wasn't really sure what to expect coming into the season, but um, I scored a goal in the first game, and uh, I had a lot of shots on net, and I felt pretty confident after that first game, and uh, I kind of just continued that confidence throughout the year, and um, yeah, I've worked my way up, and I mean, it's been it's been pretty good so far, so I'm hoping to continue that as we move along. Has your role changed since you first arrived? I don't know where you fit into the lineup on opening night, but I imagine you're a top line guy now. Yeah. Uh, I started the year, uh, probably in the, more in the bottom of the lineup and 
uh, yeah, now I'm, now I'm playing a lot more than I uh, was the first night. Like your season's going really well and your role has changed and now you're playing further up the depth chart, but can you put your finger on like why you're having this much success? And I, most guys will credit their line mates and stuff, but there's a big gap between you and everybody else on the team when it comes to scoring. Um, is it opportunity? Or are you just getting, obviously you're the, the puck is bouncing in for you too. Yeah. I mean, obviously the coaches have given, given me a great opportunity and uh, I am going to give my line mates the credit. They've been really good line mates this, throughout this whole year. Um, so shout out to Jaden Grant and Kyle Buttons for that. Um, yeah, I mean, we've connected for since we started playing together. And um, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, yeah, they're, they're not necessarily close to me in points, but yeah. uh, they've definitely helped me when I've been out on the ice and it doesn't mean that they haven't helped when I scored a goal, although they didn't touch the puck, I think. Adam Ingram is my guest. He's uh, lighting it up this year with the Youngstown Phantoms and uh, a draft eligible player. And, that's what we want to talk about right now, Adam. We let we get to this part of our show, and we want casual fans, uh, hockey fans, who maybe they don't watch the USHL or Major Junior in Canada. They're maybe they're just NHL fans, but they want to know who you are because now you're highly touted for the NHL draft. So for those casual NHL fans that don't care about junior hockey, but they care about you, let's get a little background. Uh, where'd you grow up? Where are you from? Uh, I'm from West St. Paul, Manitoba. Uh, I grew up. Yeah, that's just outside the, or just inside the perimeter of uh, Winnipeg, but it's considered outside the city. So uh, I grew up there. I played uh, hockey there until I was around that area until I was uh, 16, and then I played uh, in the MJHL for Selkirk Steelers last year, and then uh, I'm here in Youngstown now. Now, last year was must have been a challenge, though. Only eight games. I mean, most of the CJHL across Canada didn't play uh, hardly at all. Um, just getting eight games, that must have been really challenging and, and frustrating for you. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was difficult um, with the COVID. And, uh, it's it's hard not having a season. Um, you don't want to see that happen. Uh, I mean, the uh, Ontario Junior Hockey League, the, uh, they didn't even play any games. So yeah. uh, I'm pretty happy I got an eight games. I look at it that way. And it was difficult, but we had the outdoor rinks to go on, so uh, I made the best of it. Adam, who got you into hockey, and do you remember how old you were when you first started playing? Uh, yeah, my dad would have gotten me a hockey when I was probably uh, three. And Classic outdoor rink in the backyard kind of story. I, I don't imagine you can go out and skate on the Red River there the, uh, very often, or can you in the winter? Uh, you Down by the... Down by the forks in downtown Winnipeg, you can go on the river. But, uh, yeah, backyard rink, we've had one uh, probably eight years now. Uh, still made one this year, actually, hoping I was probably home for a little bit longer. But <laughs> hey, Have you always been a forward, uh, Adam, or at a younger age, did you try the blue line or, heck, even throw the pads on? Uh, actually, when I was really little, uh, I wanted to be a goalie, but uh, that quickly changes. Uh, I put the pads on in the basement and my dad shot some pucks at my head or some <laughs> some uh soft tennis balls at my head so uh yeah i didn't want to stop any pucks after that but uh i played a little bit of defenseman when i was younger but uh in the past probably four or five years haven't played defense now uh, i was gonna ask if you know when you're maybe a novice or something might not have a full-time goalie on the team so everybody has to take their turn you know uh, did you have one of those nights where you you put the pads on for an actual game when you were really young 
Uh, I think I might have. Uh, I can't really remember though. Okay. Um, yeah, it was like that though. Like it was goalie changed every game, but uh, yeah, it would have probably been something I would have wanted to do. So I probably did do it. Uh, all right. Now I'm looking at your bio page at Elite Prospects. And I see uh, a lot of terrific seasons, statistically speaking. Uh, with the Winnipeg Hawks uh, all through up the system and the Winnipeg Thrashers before you got to the MJHL. You've always been a, a really offensive guy. Is that part of the game just sort of come naturally for you? Yeah, I mean, starting young, I was uh, I wasn't actually one of our point guys for the Bantam uh, Hawks team. and I mean, I was still putting up some good numbers, but uh, I wasn't one of our go-to guys. And uh I kind of wanted to be one of those guys, so I'd I'd work my ass off and uh, I'd shoot pucks and I'd stick handle, and I think it's part, starting to pay off these past couple of years. I would have to say so. Now, the decision to go south and, and play in the USHL this year, what led you to that? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, it's uh, this is my first year living away from home, so it's, it's difficult. Uh, or it was difficult at the start, but uh, I'm used to it now, and uh, I'm pretty happy with the decision, but, uh, the main reason I'd say is, uh, I just wasn't sure what was going to happen with, uh, COVID in Canada and, uh, not having a season last year. I couldn't afford to not have another season this year, especially, uh, it being my first year eligible for the draft, but, um, yeah. And I mean, so I decided to try and go to, uh, the USHL or the null and, uh, I got drafted in the 11th round, but, 11th round by Youngstown and um, I came up to their camp in June and I, uh, I made the team and uh, yeah, I mean, it worked out pretty well. Now, just out of curiosity, I don't see anything that tells me that you were drafted by a, a WHL teams, which, which happens. Maybe you didn't get drafted, but I'm, I'd be shocked if somebody hasn't listed you. Do you, do you, are your CHL rights held by anybody in the dub? Uh, yeah. So after I, I was undrafted and then, um, after the draft in U18, I got um, picked up by Red Deer. Um, they had my rights until before I came out here. Um, so they dropped me, and then uh, Seattle has my rights now. Okay. And was the WHL ever a, a, an option for you that you considered? Like, was it something that you thought about uh, before going to the USHL? Or I know you're you're destined to go to St. Cloud, but have you always been a college guy, or is that kind of the, the way it's sort of... Uh, developed for you here in the last couple of years uh yeah well i mean uh i was a i was a late grower so um i mean it really it really it's helpful for me um it gives me some more time mm-hmm. um and i mean i thought about the whl but um i didn't think it was right for me and uh education is something that i'd like to have and i mean it's it's good to have get an education while you're playing hockey so um yeah, that's kind of my reasoning. All right, why St. Cloud State? Uh, I know you're uh, in southern Manitoba. You probably get inundated a lot with North Dakota uh, broadcasts and stuff during the season, so you, you're not going to be a stranger to, to the NCAA, but uh, why St. Cloud? Obviously, it's one of the closer uh, schools to home, and uh, it's in the best division in college hockey, the NCHC, and mm-hmm. um, I feel like uh, they, they built a relationship with me and they talked to me for seven, eight months before I committed there. And, um, I just felt really comfortable picking there. Uh, they have an outstanding coaching staff and, uh, great facilities. And, uh, yeah, I mean, 
pretty thrilled with my decision there. So, Are you in contact with them a lot during the course of a year, or do they sort of just leave you alone and let you do work at your own pace and stuff? Uh, I mean, I'm in uh, contact with them a little bit, yeah. Is the, the NHL draft on your mind uh, right now? I mean, obviously, big news this week with the with central scouting stuff, but over the course of the season, do you spend much time thinking about the draft? Or, you know, when I ask that question of guys, there'll be half the people will, half the players will tell me that they don't want to think about it because it's a distraction. The other half will tell me they, they want to know where they're ranked and they use that as motivation. Uh, what about for you, Adam? No, I don't really think about it. I, I just try and focus on, uh, yeah, just working on myself and uh, getting better every day. And uh, I mean, sometimes we'll take a glance at them and, I mean, sometimes they'll see where I'm at or some of my friends will send it to me and, uh, yeah, I'll definitely use that as motivation to, so that's, that's, yeah, that's kind of my take on it. At the start of the year, if I would have said halfway through this season, uh, people would be thinking you're a first round pick. Would that have surprised you? Um, I'd have to say yes, that, uh, I wasn't quite sure at the start of the year what my role was going to be in this league, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's hard. Like I didn't know what this league was, uh, really like before I came down here and, until I played my first game, I I was unsure of what it was going to be like. And yeah, I mean, obviously, I think I felt really well in this league and uh, really happy with my decision to come out here. Well, the, the sheet I'm looking at says six foot two and 174 pounds. I don't know how up to date that is, though. What are you at right now? Uh, yeah, that's probably that's probably pretty accurate. Now, the way things have uh, unfolded here this year with Youngstown, th- this is a team. We talked about where they are in the standings, but you make the playoffs. Do you think you have what it takes in the in the dressing room to maybe get into a you know a, a longer playoff run than maybe people right now are expecting? You kind of talked about how it was a slow start to the year, but things have kind of been building as the season's gone on. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. We have a we have a really great group of guys here. That I mean, we're all tight, and uh, I love every one of them. Um, so I think like. Uh, yeah, we're going to keep getting better as the season goes on. I can see it coming, and uh, I can definitely see a deep run in the playoffs coming for sure. I mentioned the 36 points in 27 games. Stats don't always tell the whole story, though. So if somebody asked you to describe yourself as a player, what would you tell them? Uh, I'd say I'm uh, – well, I've been playing center and wing, so I'd say I'm a, a tall a tall center, left wing. Uh, that's good off the rush and uh, good in the offensive zone. Uh has a good shot and has good hockey sense. How's the skating? Uh, I'd say I'd say my skating's pretty good. All right. Is there an area of your game that you're focused on the most right now to to try to improve on to before you can get to the collegiate level? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to focus on putting on weight and getting stronger. Okay. Uh, Winnipeg guy, do were the Jets your team growing up? I know they maybe they weren't there when you were really young, but uh, you know in your formative years here, have they become your favorite club? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, we always would go to games, so uh, that's something I look forward to, and uh, I wish I could be at some of those right now because those are always fun to go with with my dad. Well, I have to ask, and I, I'm sure you've heard the, uh, the the name plenty of times, but the last time Youngstown had a player taken this high in the draft would be a, a guy named Kyle Connor, who's happened to be one of the best players for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, do you hear or do you see comparisons or anything like that? I know you're going to St. Cloud, he went to Michigan, but... Um, you know, you're in the same footsteps he was in, what, 10 years ago, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy to think about that. But, uh, I mean, I'm still I'm still in the USHL and Cal Connors putting up 25 goals, 30 goals in the <laughs> NHL. So it's pretty hard to compare that right now. But uh, I'm hoping 
I'm hoping that uh, that can be comparable one day. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, listen, Adam, I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, continued success. I hope you have a great uh, finish to the season for you and the team. And uh, maybe once you're at St. Cloud, we'll be able to chat again. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. That was Adam Ingram from the Youngstown Phantoms, who uh, Central Scouting has slotted 14th just in North America. And uh, that's uh, not an outlandish ranking. Uh, you even had Craig Button, who had him just outside the first round, and that's including Europeans. Elite Prospects has him at 25, so not a shock to see him rank very high for the uh, draft. I think he's the only USHL player that is ranked inside the first round uh, by Central Scouting. That's not including all the national team development program guys who they play a third of their schedule uh, in the uh, the USHL outside of their uh, Division One opponents and the uh, European, uh, the international contingent of their uh, schedule. That's why the scouting community separates the development program from the USHL. And I know there's one high schooler who has ties sort of to the USHL, but Ingram is the only full-time USHL player to be uh, ranked that high by Central Scouting, and uh, great to see that it's a Canadian as well. Always have the uh, the soft spot for the Canadians here on the Pipeline Show, especially when they go down south to play, whether it's USHL or the NAL or uh, into the NCAA. We like to keep track of those guys, and we'll be doing that here with Adam Ingram. And I made the comparison to Kyle Connor, not from a playing perspective, but just it's been a long time since the Phantoms have had somebody ranked this highly. And you remember that draft. Connor went right in the middle of that first round. And who knows, if he can, if he continues to keep uh, filling the net like he is, 16 goals, 36 points in just 27 games, maybe uh, Ingram could be a uh, mid-first-round pick as well. We'll keep an eye on that. He's got the size, a little lanky, but as he said, he's concentrating on filling out that six foot two frame, listed at about 175 pounds right now. So, you know, if he can get up to 190, 195 pounds, without losing any speed and agility. It's going to be a player to watch and a good program that he's going to at St. Cloud State joining the Huskies. And because he's going to college, this also made it an NCAA Campus Report segment. If you're a player or you have one in your family and you need to know what you can and can't do to maintain your college eligibility, well, College Hockey Inc. is a great resource for that. You can get in contact with any of the fine folks over there at Check out their uh, website as well at collegehockeyinc.com. Great resource. Might answer some of the questions that you have. All right, there is one more segment to go here on this week's episode, but keeping it under wraps just yet because i got a couple of irons in the fire, and I know something is going to come through, and if not, I've got a backup plan as well. So what's coming up next? You'll find out right after this. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Hey, this is Cody Glass from the Portland Winter Hawks. Gets the draw. Glass walking towards the net. He scores! First period hat trick. It's natural from Cody Glass. And you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week has a lot of character, but tell us about it. The Pesky Pig Pale Ale. Named after the little piggy that never went to the market, this super approachable pale ale has all kinds of citrus flavors, including huge grapefruit note. Player comparable, Matthew Kachuk. Always in the mix, and no matter what, you'd rather him on your team. 
Troubled Monk, visit the Tap Room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. That's Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show. Impressive. With Guy Flaming. Most impressive. This is The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and this final segment this week, uh, we're going to share a conversation that uh, my counterpart in the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, broadcast booth, uh, the play-by-play man, his name is Andrew Peart, well, he had a conversation earlier, right after the WHL trade deadline, he was uh, speaking with his counterpart of the Vancouver Giants, that of course is Dan O'Connor, wanted to pick his brain about uh, the big trade between the two clubs, Justin sort of coming to the Oil Kings from the Vancouver Giants for Jacob Boucher and a bunch of picks. Well, we wanted to get the Vancouver perspective on that deal, and we also uh, hear Dan talk a little bit about, you know, what Vancouver is getting out of it, the other trades that the Giants made, and uh, sort of the lay of the land in the BC division. So this is a conversation Andrew Peard had with Dan O'Connor of the Vancouver Giants, and we'll pick it up uh, with uh, Dan talking about Justin Sordoff and exactly what are the Oil Kings getting here. Well, first and foremost, beyond any of the uh, of the hockey components of this trade, the Edmonton Oil Kings are getting a, a great human being and are getting a, a great leader and uh, a guy who, who truly cares and truly gets it. Uh, Justin Sordiff is, uh, is a unique, special talent, and the Edmonton Oil Kings are certainly uh, well-versed in that regard. You've got your share of them already, and... Um, Justin sort of is going to fit right in. He is the kind of player who can take over a game offensively, but is also a player that is just going to do every single thing asked of him defensively. He's one of the best stick checkers I think I've ever seen from a WHL forward uh, and a player who uh, statistically is, is dominant, yet I don't think the stats even begin to closely tell the entire story. You know, he can kill penalties, he can run a power play, he competes for every puck, he's a leader in the dressing room, and yet he doesn't have this enormous ego to him where he's going to walk into that Edmonton Oil Kings dressing room and just command respect. He's going to let his actions do the talking, he is going to fit right in, he is just going to sort of mold his game into whatever the Edmonton Oil Kings need He's a player you can win with flat out, plain and simple. Well, that's uh, uh, a great description of, of Justin Sordoff. You mentioned the leadership and the type of person that he is. And I think that's what teams look for now most when they go out and acquire a guy is, is how is this guy off the ice? How is he going to be in our dressing room? How is he going to fit in with everybody? And you mentioned that, you know, he checks those boxes. Is this something that comes to him naturally through, you know, his, his upbringing? Is it something that's been uh, in, imposed upon him by uh, past leaders of the Giants, such as a, a Bowen Byram? Well, a a bit of both. Um, I mean, I think Justin will be the first to tell you that when he came to the WHL at 15 and 16, he had some great leaders to learn from, but he also had some work to do himself. Um, I mean, he's been the best player on his team pretty much every single year that he's played hockey. So to then all of a sudden come to the WHL full-time and be on a team in 2018-19 that, you know, went to game seven overtime in the league final. But but Justin, you know, 
he he had to scrap and claw for every ounce of success that he had that season. He scored 22 goals, but it's not like he was first tier power play. It's not like he was, you know, playing 28 minutes a night. I mean, he had to learn how to defend. He had to learn, you know, how to play the game in all areas of the ice. And, you know, that group that season, I mean, there were just so many veterans and so much depth on the team that, that Justin sort of could just fit right in and play. And then you, you look at the, the following season, his draft year, statistically it was strong, but it's a, it's a lot different when opposing teams are planning a game plan defensively around you. And when you're seeing the top defensive pair every single night, it, it took Justin some getting used to. And then, you know, on draft day, when he was picked in the third round by the Florida Panthers, I know that there were people that were flabbergasted out in this direction, thinking there is no way that Justin sort of is a third round pick. He is absolutely a second round or a first round talent. So that was a bit of a wake up call for him. And I, I think that he took it to heart. I think he used the, the COVID break to his absolute benefit to the point where when the bubble season started last season, he, he took off running to the point where he was named the BC division MVP, uh, earned himself a contract with the Florida Panthers and played his way on to a world junior team um, littered with Edmonton oil Kings as well. So long answer to your question, Andrew, I realize, but um, Justin, Ju Justin has, he's always been mature, but I think the last, two years especially that maturity has just ratcheted up several notches to the point where he's he's been able to figure out he's been able to learn how to lead yes the Bowen Byrams and the Alex Canick Leaperts and the you know Braden Wattses and Jared Dimitrus I think all played a very big role in sort of helping him figure out just who he was and is as a leader and um, that's what's going to help him kind of go into that locker room with, with the Edmonton Oil Kings and just fit right in. He's, he's sort of a chameleon in the sense that he can sort of adapt to whatever you need him to be. Uh, just to, to shift gears quickly, but stick with the Vancouver Giants. It was a busy day uh, for, for Barclay Parnetta. Uh, they, they make another deal. I mean, they, they end up acquiring, what, three first-round picks in the span of about 15 minutes. And you got to like the way that they've been able to develop a guy like Tanner Brown and then be able to, to flip him uh, as they begin what is, I don't want to call it a rebuild. I don't know that the Vancouver Giants necessarily rebuild too often, but reload. Um, take me through the, the mindset of the Giants heading into the, the 2022 WHL trade deadline and, and the work that uh, GM Parnetta did. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that the, what, what Barkley has said in, in several interviews since the, the deadline has passed is that, you know, by, by trading Justin Sordiff and Tanner Brown, this is not the white flag. This is not surrendering the season. And this is not just, you know, stop, stop everything. And we're just going to rebuild. As you say, there is still enough on this giants roster where, you know, they, they can, they can, absolutely get to the playoffs with this roster. Um, and I think that with, with goaltending some health and a few, you know, good breaks, this is a team that I still don't think anybody's going to want to play in round one of the playoffs. Um, Tanner Brown is, is a unique case in that, you know, he's a homegrown giant 24th overall pick, you know, didn't play at 16 much because that the, the giants were just so deep 17, 
played sparingly, you know, played a bit of forward, played a bit of defense, um, and then went into the COVID bubble last season in the BC division and was terrific. Like he was the, he was the plus minus leader for the giants. He was the unsung hero, had a really good bubble season. And then this season picked up right where he left off, played 20 minutes a night on the back end, could, could play second unit power play, could, could kill penalties, would be a guy that would be out there in the final minute of the game trying to protect a lead. He does a little bit of everything for you. Um, now, if you had told me that Tanner Brown was going to fetch you a first round draft pick, I think that there would have been a few folks that would have uh, been pleasantly surprised. And then that's not even being at all disparaging to Tanner. Um, that's just, uh, you know, sometimes when you're, you're having the kind of season that the giants are got an opportunity to, to add a first round pick, sometimes you just have to, to strike while the iron is hot and, and pounce on an opportunity. And I think Barkley Parnetta came up aces in that regard, when it came to, you know, identifying where his team is at, identifying what the market was for a, a player like Tanner Brown, who I think is really going to help the Winnipeg ice, by the way, but um, you know, to get that first and then, you know, to go out and to get Jacob Boucher from the Edmonton oil Kings to go out and get Tom Cadu from the Regina Pats. I mean, the giants shipped out two 19 year olds brought in two 19 year olds and got three first round picks along the way. So a, a tidy piece of business, certainly for Barkley Parnetta and the Giants, who still have Fabian Lysel, who still have Zacho Stopchuk, who still have Cole Shepard, Ty Thorpe, Adam Hall, uh, Justin Lees. I mean, that's a top six that can hang. Um, a goaltender in Jesper Weichmann who can win games by himself. If the defense can get the forwards the puck, this is still a Giants team that's going to win their share of games down the stretch of the season. Uh, with that, I, I do want to ask you about the BC division. I was just thinking about it. The Edmonton Oil Kings ran through the BC division early on in the 2019-20 season. By the time we ever see the BC division again, it'll either be in the WHL final or sometime next year. It'll be three years since the last time we saw the BC division. Um, handicap it for me. I mean, the Kamloops Blazers came out absolutely firing to start this year, and all of a sudden, the, the wins have been a little bit tougher to come by. You know, what, what, who is the lead dog right now in the BC division? Who's the favorite to, to take control uh, heading down the, the stretch drive and into the playoffs? I mean, it is Kamloops. They're they're the clear favorite, I think, and and that's you know the Kelowna Rockets might have something to say about that, but um, uh, I'll, I'll I'll entertain that conversation if and when it, it happens. But you know, Kamloops they've they've sort of been the day one leaders, and and I mean, if you look at that team, I mean, they're 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 poised for for some sustained success still. Uh, Logan Stankoven probably now with Justin sort of out of the division, he's the most dynamic forward in the BC division. You know, you look at the help that he has with, you know, Matthew Semenoff. Uh, I think Luke Toporowski joining that Kamloops team was a very savvy move for them. He, he kind of fits the mold, gives them a bit of grit, gives them a bit of speed, gives them a sort of a, a handy two-way forward. Um, but the impressive thing about Kamloops is their youth. The fact that Matt Slingren is only 17, Connor Levis, Fraser Minton, um, you know, on and on we go. You, you sprinkle the, the veteran help in Caden Bankier and Dalen Kiefler and some of those guys. Um, the Kamloops Blazers are well positioned to win a few playoff rounds. I think uh, Dylan Grant, I think, is probably the best goalie in the Western Conference for sure. Um, and so, I mean, I think that 
it, it's going to take a hell of an effort for somebody to to take down the Kamloops Blazers. But I mean, the Kelowna Rockets, I think, have beaten them five times this season. It's the weirdest thing. The Giants are 4-0-1-0 against Kelowna. Kelowna is 5-1, I think, against Kamloops. And Kamloops is 5-1 against the Vancouver Giants. So figure that one out. Um, Kelowna, though, man, I mean, they they made some moves early, uh, bringing in Talon Boyko, bringing in Colton Dock, bringing in, you know, a few other bodies just to sort of help with some depth and I mean, they're a team that um, they've got size. They've got some experience. Their back end is really good with Jake Lee, Tyson Feist, and, you know, a few others back there that I think are, are poised for some good things. Uh, the Prince George Cougars, I think we know that in a year or two, look out. Um, they, they have got some young players on that team that are just getting better by the minute. And the Victoria Royals are, uh, I mean, at one point in the season, they were one and 12. Now they're uh, in a playoff spot that what they have done since mid November is truly impressive. Bailey peach is a heck of a player and uh, the giants know, know him all too well. Um, So really there's, there is no easy game in the BC division out here for so long, Andrew, it's always been, you know, looking at the U S division and thinking to yourself, what the heck is going on down there? Mm-hmm. Now I think that the tables have sort of turned and, and if, if anyone's sort of looking at the BC division one through five, there is no easy out. There is no easy two points. And that's a fun place to be. That's an intriguing place to be for sure. Uh, last one for you. You just mentioned the U.S. division. I got to ask you, because here in the, the Eastern Conference, travel is is what it is. It's as normal as usual. Got to imagine it's a little bit different in the Western Conference. Just how has the season gone from, from that aspect, you know, off the ice uh, in terms of uh, the logistics through the, the BC division and U.S. division trying to hook up for games throughout the year? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a process for sure. Um, I mean, I think that We've only done one sustained trip to the United States, and that was that was in late November when the borders had just opened up, and you know we're we're PCR testing after morning skates, and we're you know dealing with FedEx being closed on U.S. Thanksgiving. I mean, it was uh, you, you could write a book about it. it. It was an eventful road trip. But the Giants actually went three and zero on that road trip, um, and don't have another one uh, of of any sustained length until March. But then you add in highway closures because of really weird rain and and weather that that the province of BC has had. So um, you know, a trip to Kamloops that would ordinarily take four hours now takes six or seven. Uh, so so it, we've we've had to be flexible. We've had to, you know think on our feet a little bit because of COVID, because of borders, because of weather. Uh, It has been a season unlike any other in that regard. And yet um, here we are um, doing what we have to do to get these guys a full season. And, and it's um, it's felt normal ish for, for the most part. And, And hopefully we're, we're sort of through the worst of all of this stuff. And as the weather gets better and as the travel gets easier and as the cases hopefully trend downward, we're going to have a heck of a WHL playoff and a, a heck of a WHL final. Dan O'Connor, the voice of the Vancouver Giants, in conversation with uh, Andrew Peard, the voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings, uh, dissecting that trade between the Oil Kings and the Giants and exactly what Edmonton is getting in uh, Justin Sordiff. 
and uh, why the Giants did what they did at the WHL deadline and also the lay of the land in the BC division. Kamloops Blazers, his pick, uh, that is the team to beat right now, and that's tough to argue. And uh, the Blazers picking up uh, Luke Toporowski from the Spokane Chiefs as their deadline uh, acquisition. Veteran in the league, lots of hustle. So we'll see. And interesting when uh, Andrew and uh, Dan were talking about how long it's been since the East and the West Conference have played each other, it's going to be three full years between uh, visits uh, for uh, teams from the conferences but since they've crossed over and played against each other. You know, outside of the two teams that will uh, get to the finals this year, uh, regular season meetings, it's going to be almost two completely different leagues getting together again as most of the players from the last time the conferences overlapped uh, will be gone. That's remarkable. All right, that does it for this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. I appreciate all the guests that you heard from, and I appreciate the audio there from um, courtesy Andrew Peard and the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, Next week on the show, more with the 2022 draft spotlight. We'll uh, check in around the Canadian Hockey League across all three leagues. We'll look at the CJHL and south of the border in the USHL, the NAL, and, of course, college hockey as well. Big thank you to everybody who has been signing up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show flurry of activity there this week is uh, loading up on the 2022 draft spotlight segments. Everybody is uh, wanting to get early access to those interviews and that's how you do it. A couple of bucks a month is uh, all it takes even less. If you sign up for an annual subscription and you too could have early access and hear these uh, interviews before the full episode is released to the general public on uh, Fridays or Saturdays. Well, most of the interviews that you hear, actually all the interviews that you hear uh, during a full episode, they're available at patreon.com slash the pipeline show the same day that the, the interviews are conducted. So all the ones that you heard today, the 2022 draft spotlights, they were all done on Tuesday or Wednesday. So patrons have been able to access those interviews for two or three days already. And a reminder that all my guests join me courtesy of the Troubled Monk hotline. Get in touch with Troubled Monk at troubledmonk.com slash shop if you are in the alberta central alberta area you can probably get home delivery right to your door absolutely free if you use promo code pipeline and of course the program is brought to you by wilhock beef jerky the best beef jerky known to mankind some say it's the best i say it's the best wilhockbeefjerky.com that's it for this week's episode everybody until next week get out and watch some junior college hockey if you can do it safely Have some compassion and respect for uh, your fellow humans that you come across. And we will talk to you next week right here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name's Keith Flaming. See ya.